0: It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the sports, sports Rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Day, Three ball, that's yeah. Landis. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Fort 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most
1: important person of all time. You are incredible! you them one yeah. Well, you're half right. What is this amateur hour? This is, is going to be huge. Actually, this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. I I I Taking you home on a Wednesday. It is the Sports Rush. We are halfway there. Three down, two to go with this work week. Coming up this hour, we've got Scott Agnes joining us. In about 20 minutes, Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. Of course, the big news of the day is that Pascal Siakam has been traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers. Pacers will give up Bruce Brown, who has only been with the team basically half a season. Jordan Wara and three first-round picks. And uh, and for Toronto, uh, they they unload a uh, a big contract that is coming soon. The Pacers feel like they got their missing piece to what needs to be on this roster to complete it and uh, maybe even give them a run toward a championship. Uh, I I think it's a very important piece and it's one that was glaringly missing from this roster and that's that length guy that can play the four, the three. Uh, gives you a great defender, gives you a guy that will rebound when you need a rebound, and the Pacers have not been good defensively or on the glass. We'll ask Scott Agnes what he brings to the Pacers that may be most valuable now that uh, the Pacers have made the trade official and uh, have acquired Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. Uh, This also came out, Jim Ursay. Of course, we just saw that uh, Real Sports report with Jim Ursay and the struggles that he has had over his lifetime with the drugs and alcohol. And uh, and we know that right now, he apparently is in poor health, dealing with a respiratory illness in the hospital. And uh, TMZ is reporting that, uh, according to Carmel Police, Jim Ursay had a drug overdose last month. In fact, on December 8th. Police were called to Urse's Carmel residence at about 4.30 a.m. And reportedly, he was found unconscious on a bathroom floor with a blue skin tone, uh, essentially indicating that he was probably near death. Upon arrival, police discovered Ursay had been moved to his bed, struggling to breathe with a weak pulse And constricted pupils, despite an unsuccessful attempt to wake him with a sternum rub, Ursay showed a slight response after administration of a dose of Narcan. And I don't know if you're familiar with Narcan, Adam, but that is uh, the drug that basically uh, just goes in and washes your system of some of the dangerous narcotics. It's a drug that's commonly used to revive individuals in opiate overdose situations. And apparently, he did respond enough that uh, they were able to get him revived. Paramedics arrived just uh, as police were preparing to use an AED. They took over on the life-saving efforts, and Ursay was taken to the hospital via ambulance. Now, the Colts did uh, have a statement in response to this report. Now, this was December 8th which indicates to me that he had this overdose, was admitted to the hospital, but this is not why he's in the hospital now on January 17th. It's a totally different issue. Not sure if it's related, but uh, and we don't even know the specifics of what his illness is other than what they are telling us. And all they're telling us is in their uh, statement, the cult said, Jim Ursay continues to recover from a respiratory illness. And uh, there is no further comment on his personal health. They continue to ask that Jim and his family's privacy be respected. So that kind of scary. You kind of feel for the guy. You know he's had these these demons throughout his life. Um, you know we don't know the specifics, but just the uh, the evidence that's presented. Does make you believe that maybe he was under the effects of uh, some drugs, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, he gets through this illness and can uh, can try to work to try to stay on track. Uh, but um, you know, there's a lot of people reacting saying, "Oh, he should give up ownership, etc." No, the guy the guy has an illness that he deals with on a daily basis, and occasionally that illness wins. I mean, it's it's anybody that's gone through it understands that it is a daily experience to have to fight those demons, and occasionally uh, they're stronger than you are. And uh, now, should he be making decisions and all if he's under the influence? No, but he has generally allowed the football decisions and the personnel decisions of of draft and who's on the team and and trades he's left most of those up to Chris Ballard and the coaching staff and the scouting staff but uh but yeah you you certainly hope uh that this is something he can get get through and um, and we'll wish him the best in that recovery 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862 um Last night, we saw the Indiana Hoosiers. I thought it was a horrific job by Mike Woodson managing his bench, his minutes, his personnel. And it isn't just the first time that that's happened. But last night, uh, six minutes or so left in the half, Indiana had found themselves down 14 points, 32 to 18. And the lineup that was on the court at the time was Walker, Gunn, Johnson, Renew, and Galloway. A lot yeah. of talent that was not on the floor at that time, including uh, including uh, Khalil Ware and Mackenzie Mbako. And Mbako was having the game of his life through the first three or four minutes when he scored the first seven points on uh, a couple of two-pointers and a three-point shot. And then all of a sudden, you sat him down. He, uh, he showed in the second half during that run, he made another play, but... Uh, overall for Mbako and Ware to be sitting, it allowed Purdue to just methodically stretch their lead. Eventually, it was a 22-point game by halftime, putting Ware and Mbako back in the game certainly helped to bring some momentum to Indiana. And in the second half, Indiana came out on fire. The only problem is the game was a 22-point game before Indiana made that run. And even if you have a great run like Indiana did, I think they... They uh, would they go on an 18 to four or, or something where they had cut that 22 point lead down to single digits a couple of times. But that you just start with too big a hole and you never can climb out of it, even if you play great. And so, you know, what if they'd have had one of those runs in the first half? What if they'd have had one of those runs and instead of it being 32, 18, all of a sudden it's 32 to 29? You know, it, I mean, how much does that change the game? Well, it,
2: yeah, it not only changes the game, it changes how Purdue changes their game and starts reacting to things, and 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 it leads to runs.
1: And then what if in the second half, Indiana goes on another one of their runs and ends up in the lead by seven or eight, puts the pressure on Purdue. Purdue never really got into a game that was threatening, where you know they had to do anything other than just be themselves, just just get through it, grind through it, continue to do what you do and uh, and Indiana's not going to be able to win this game, and Purdue stuck to their principles. They continued to get the ball to Zach Eadie, 33 points last night for Eady. And, uh, and the Boilermakers end up with the 87-66 win. But, uh, yeah, the, the end of the half, Purdue went on a 14-4 run over the last three minutes. Now, you know, there was a period there. We had Peyton Sparks during that stretch in the first half, Uh, A guy that's almost a seldom used third big man who was out there trying to guard Edie. There was no chance for Sparks. And then the other thing is, who made Sparks the go-to guy offensively? Because all of a sudden, they're feeding the post, and Sparks is going to work down in the low block against Edie. I didn't have that one on my bingo card. (laughs) No, no. No, probably not the best strategy for Indiana to have Sparks trying to go one-on-one against Zach Eady. That didn't pay off. Eventually, then, Sparks came out of the game, and it almost was a case where there was no one left. He had to put Ware and Embako back into the game, but, uh, but just too little too late for the Indiana Hoosiers. I thought... Uh, I thought certainly if you're going to take them out with two fouls and then you're going to have Purdue extend the lead, then you need to play them because you're not saving them for anything that's going to be beneficial down the road because you'll be so far behind it won't matter. So you might as well take a chance on them picking up their third foul, try to stay in the game, then keep the fouls. You know, you keep the fouls and you put them on the bench if the rest of the guys can keep the game close. Keep it manageable. Try to try to not get too far behind. But once you start getting double digits behind with those guys on the bench, they got to be back on the floor. You cannot continue to rest a guy with two fouls when your team's down double digits and Indiana was down double digits. Then it was down to seven. And then another Purdue run made it, uh, I think 12 or 14 or 15 points. And, uh indiana again went on a little bit of a run and got it i think down to 10 or so but then indiana or purdue finished the first half on a 14-4 run including that three-pointer right at the end of the half by uh i believe it was lance jones that hit that late three to make a 51 to 29 at the half is parkview sports medicine text line four six eight six two uh, also, Purdue got some help last night. Not only did they take care of their business, but they got some help from Penn State as the Nittany Lions knocked off Wisconsin, 87 to 83. And so uh, that that not only gives uh, Purdue uh, gets Purdue within a game of Wisconsin, but it also gets Wisconsin quite angry as they return home to take on who uh. Indiana. Yeah, so Indiana's going right into the lion's den up in Kohl Center, where Uh, they haven't had good success anyway. That'll be a tough one, no doubt about it. Uh, No question. So tonight, Mastodon's back in action at home. You know, it's been a couple of weeks since the Dons have had a home game, and it's going to be a couple of weeks more before they get back on the Coliseum floor. Right now, they're in the middle of a stretch of four out of five on the road. They're going to be heading to Cleveland for a game on Saturday, which I do see that they're going to experience quite the snowstorm. Oh, yeah. The weather pattern uh, this weekend, Friday into Saturday, is to uh, bring the snow off the lake and a- aim it southeast. Instead of straight east into Buffalo, it's southeast. So Cleveland could be the Buffalo of last <laughs> weekend. Oh. And where are we going? We're going to Cleveland for a Saturday game, taking on the Cleveland State Vikings. And then the Dons will have a nationally televised game coming up next week against Northern Kentucky down in Highland Heights, Kentucky, just outside of Cincinnati. So two road games over the next uh, two weeks. Then they'll be back at home with Milwaukee and Youngstown State, the scheduled opponents. But uh, this is a big one coming up tonight at the Coliseum as they'll take on IUPUI, the Jaguars. And if you look at the statistics, the Dons should win this game. They're expected to win it by 20, according to Ken Palm. It's been a tough year so far. Five and 14 for the Jaguars, and uh, so the Jaguars with just one Horizon League win so far this year, and that came against Detroit Mercy, who has zero Horizon <laughs> League wins. But it is a logjam right now in the standings. Mm-hmm. You've got seven teams within a game and a half of each other. Any week could flip the standings. You could go from first or second all the way to you know, eighth place in a matter of just a couple of games. And uh, so a big one coming up tonight. Coliseum, 7 o'clock tip. We'll have your pregame at 645 right here at 1380 The Fan. And 100.9 FM. Then following Mastodon's basketball, it's high school hockey night. It returns tonight with Leo Carroll. And that game will hit the airwaves immediately following Mastodon's basketball right here. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We'll step aside for Scott Agnes, who's going to join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Coming up tonight, right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, we do have Mastodons basketball against the IUPUI Jaguars. Mastodons will tip it off at 7 o'clock at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. I'll have all the coverage along with my sidekick, Chris Underwood, starting at 645 with the pregame show. All right, so today, the big news that broke... Pascal Siakam is an Indiana Pacer, and uh, quite honestly, I think the Pacers got a pretty decent deal out of this. Not a a real big name. I mean, Bruce Brown, he was brought in to play a a significant role. I don't know that that's ever really happened. I think he's been one of many for the Pacers, but uh, let's get the thoughts of our next guest. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, that's uh, the insider for all Indiana Pacers information He is on the line with us right now and Scott, your initial reaction to the trade and uh, I got to think the Pacers did well here.
0: Yeah, my first thought was the Pacers got their guy. This is someone they have been targeting and after since uh, even more than July back at at Summer League when I first wrote about it, saying the Pacers' interest level in Pascal has been very real and in recent weeks they checked in on him again they tried to even work with Toronto on an OG and an OB deal, ultimately that that didn't pan out and he went to New York. But Pascal comes in and will immediately fill a need for this team on both sides of the ball and give a running mate a running mate to Tyrese Halliburton that he's desperately needed.
1: Well, and that's the one of the things that uh, that we were talking about is where is he going to have the greatest impact with this Pacers lineup? Because they've got plenty of guys who can fill it up. The one thing they don't have is a lot of guys who can really be looked on to defend and get that extra rebounder on the court.
0: Yeah, the biggest thing, Brett, I see with him is that defense. I mean, it's been embarrassing for the last several years, right? We've talked about it plenty. Is You go into a city, and that team's going to have a, a star on the night, right? This past game, it was the all-star and Laurie Markadon who went off, had a double-double, 30-plus points. Pacers had nobody that they could earnestly throw on him. Like Andrew Nemhard, who is six foot four, maybe, was guarding the seven footer, and they tried Buddy Healed on him. They tried other combinations on him. Now they have not just a a capable defender; they have a very good uh, all defensive team level defender in Siakam that they can throw on him. And then more than that, I, I think what the paces what he does offensively, will balance things out with Tyrese. I've, obviously, he'll fit in. Tyrese can make anything work. Buddy, with his shooting in was spacing. And in doing this deal, they did not have to give up uh, anything significant of value. Um, the only thing I-, I thought, if anything, was that maybe you gave two- one too many first round picks. But here's the thing this team has not drafted well. So if it took another first round pick to get a player that is not going to sign with you in free agency, th- because- and we know that because the Pacers have never landed an all star type player or average type player in free agency. That's why you'd make a deal now um, versus waiting, say, till free agency, Brett, because that's a big question a lot of fans are wondering. You know, he's going to be a free agent. Why don't you wait and, and make him a big offer? Well, history has shown the Pacers haven't been able to land that guy except for trade, so that's mm-hmm. why they're doing it.
1: When you talk about first-round picks, here's one of my thoughts, and I, I want to get your reaction to it. But when I look at the Pacers, they've got a young core. They almost have more young talent than they can put on the court right now. And obviously, sure. there are there's some value in some of these young, talented players, maybe those that are getting a shot, maybe those that still haven't. But uh, what would you rather have, that player to continue to develop who you drafted, or a draft pick that is a big unknown and could be a bust. And so, you know, if it's going to cost you a player versus an extra first-round pick, I'd give the first-round pick all day, all night, all week, all year.
0: (laughs) Right, absolutely, especially when you consider where it would likely be, right? You're not talking uh, about what it might have been, what it would have been the last three years, right? Lottery pick, top six, top seven. That's a very different pick than what they currently might be, which might be, say, 21st, 20th, 18th. I mean, what has the Pacers done with that in the his, in the past, in recent history? It's T.J. Leaf. It's Aaron Holiday. It's Goga Batase. None of which are still with the franchise, Brett. And so, yes, if it comes down to that, and obviously you don't want to offer that right away, and I'm sure they didn't, but it gets to this level. And if it's including one of those picks and, and uh, a future first that's uh, not of your own, so it'll probably be a little even later, perhaps, So do it. Make it happen. Get it done. Uh, Because what what you want to do is, one, as Tyrese Halliburton enters the first year of his new contract, you want to not just talk, but demonstrate how you are committed to him and winning. You also want to break the rut. The fact that they have not won a playoff series since 2014, haven't won a playoff game since, I think, 2019. So to be clear, this does not immediately make the Pacers a contender or even in the Eastern Conference. What it does make them is a playoff team and relevant.
1: When you look around the East, does this give the Pacers a matchup advantage that maybe they didn't have prior to this trade? I'll just give you a hint. I'm thinking, right off the top, I'm thinking Boston, Jason Tatum.
0: I wouldn't say advantage. I think now it's a lot easier to match up with them, though, because they were inept defensively when they were doing it. Going back to my previous point, right? If you take Boston, it's Drew Holiday, well, Tyrese isn't going to guard him. Uh, Derek White, it's Jalen Brown. It's Jason Tatum, Christoph Porzingis. At every position, probably outside of center, the Pacers are outmatched. So this gives you, uh, hopefully, you know, a net negative or net positive there on that front. It's kind of a wash right there. And then what Tyrese can do offensively at point guard, that's at least a wash, probably a net positive. So, again, I still believe they're one elite talent away from being a true contender, but today was a big step forward once this deal is able to be completed.
1: What was New Orleans' role in this? Usually when a third team just gets uh, plugged in to a deal that's primarily between two teams, uh, it's usually something to do with salary, salary dumping. What what did New Orleans have to do in this deal?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the case. The Pacers needed additional money to kind of match and complete the deal, it appears, and so uh, – the New Orleans Hornets wanted to get under the luxury tax, so Pacers are doing them a favor, and, and that will be able to make this deal uh, completed um, is what it's looking like right now. Uh, in addition to the first-round picks, Bruce Brown and Jordan Wara, and including Wara makes sense. One, it gets him off the bench a little bit um, because you're adding yet another power forward to play over him, and already he was over the rotation or out of the rotation, mm-hmm. so you had Toppin, you drafted Jairus Walker, now you have Siakam. What it also probably means is if you see Walker, it probably won't be until next year uh, because here comes another four for you, unless, yeah. to be clear, the Pacers make another deal because they could sit back here and go, hey, look, things change. Our plans change. In the offseason, we had no four, so we drafted Jairus. Then we went out and got Obi Toppin. Guess what? Obi Toppin's also in a contract here. And you're not going to have the money to re-sign him, presumably here now. When you're going to have Tyrese on a max deal starting next year, Pascal he can't agree to it just yet. But all essentially, that's how it works. Your Pacers aren't going to going to do a deal like this without full confirmation or understanding from Pascal's side of things that he is open to doing a, a max contract like this here. So keep that in mind. And Obi Toppin's going to be looking for his first non-rookie contract of his career now. And so I think that could be the next domino here to fall potentially, is a guy like him. Um, You would almost wonder about Buddy as well, especially with how much money the Pacers will not have available now. When when you give off a contract like this, however, Pascal, Buddy, I like that combination and what they can, how they can play off each other offensively. So maybe Buddy gets a little bit more excited about playing for the Pacers now because of this. We'll see. Those are all those domino effects, but, it does seem likely that Obi Toppin is, un, un, is not as needed as previously, right?
1: What's the buzz, Scott, that you're hearing about Tyrese Halliburton? What is the timeline changing? Is there any clarity?
0: Uh, yes. Um, Tyrese is doing very well, it sounds like. He's doing daily workouts uh, on the road. He did elect to, and the team uh, elected to have him on this road trip, which surprised me initially, right? Like, why would you subject a player who's already ruled out seven additional flights and jet setting across the country. When it's unnecessary, you could stay behind. You know you're not going to play. But there's that, one, how he lists the team, whether he's playing or not. But on top of that, it allows for him to be around the physical therapist daily. And so he's getting work in. I've seen video of him shooting on the court before the last couple of games. I still believe he's shooting to return uh, after this road trip next week when the, the Pacers return home to begin a four-game on-stand. But if that, that is – all, and that's the case i mean he's out for two weeks that's very typical but right now it feels like he's right on schedule if not a little ahead of schedule uh with the chance for him to return in the near future
1: scott appreciate you jumping on a busy day with breaking news and uh i do appreciate you uh coming on the show and talking about the pascal siakam trade it's uh it's very nice of you to be generous with your time
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it, Brett. Thanks for your loyalty.
1: Yep. That is Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. If you're a Pacers fan, you should have a subscription. That's the most insider information you're going to get on the Indiana Pacers. All right. We've got to take a break. We're going to come back. Plenty ahead. Indiana Hoosiers. Oh, boy. Yeah, we've got to revisit that topic also. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the games you can hear this weekend in the NFL playoffs. When are they? We'll tell you about it. And it's all coming up with The Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to The Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix four to six. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. And of course, last night, as we've let you know, it was not a good night for the Indiana Hoosiers as they fall to the Purdue Boilermakers, got whooped on last night. 87-66. I I know that Indiana made that run. I still don't know that the game was this close. I mean, 21 points, you'd think. Uh, How could it be worse than that? Well, (laughs) it's because Purdue was able to basically do what they wanted to do, and Indiana had no answer for Zach Eadie. It was complete failure in game planning uh failure in defensive execution they allowed braden smith to come off ball screens with space i mean you've got to trap him you've got to stop him that's when he comes off the ball screen that's when you get the stop you've got the second guy there he's got you got to form the l where you get one guy in front one guy below and you stop braden smith and then you bust your butt back to the basket to take away the roll. And always have a help side guy coming behind Edie so he doesn't have a free path on that roll to the basket. Indiana just did not execute last night. And I thought it was basically 87-66 on the court, but the score was worse than that between the two coaches. It was more of a route that Matt Painter just dominated Mike Woodson. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. Uh, of course, now Indiana is not in a spot where they can even think about the NCAA tournament.
2: No, not even bubble looking.
1: I mean, I thought, hey, maybe if they can, you know, pull this one out, they've been good at home. Then they got a chance to split the next two, get mm-hmm. one of those road wins that has been so elusive for the Hoosiers. And now I'm not sure they've got a path to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, if you look at the rankings, and, uh, you know, believe me, the official rankings are the net rankings. But Ken Palm is kind of considered the analytical wizard of college basketball. They will look at numbers provided through Ken Palm when they're deciding and evaluating some of these teams. And if Indiana gets into a position where they start getting evaluated based on Ken Palm, they're out They're not in because right now, according to Ken Palm, the Hoosiers are the 13th best team in the Big Ten with only Penn State ranking below them. And Penn State did get the win over Wisconsin last night, so at least Penn State has something going for them. They got a marquee home win.
2: Man, that was a crazy game in and of itself. But, yeah, Indiana's just still
1: lacking a statement win on the season. Yeah, and then uh, if you look at the net ranking, which is kind of the official guideline, uh, it's not better for the Hoosiers. In fact, it's worse. They have fallen out of the top 100, according to the net they are now number 102 out of 362 Division I basketball teams, but you have to realize they're getting near the bottom of some of the power conference teams. Uh, give you an example: Rutgers uh, in the uh, in Ken Palm. Rutgers is ahead of Indiana, Penn State, the only team behind. Uh, but the net ranking at 102. Shoot, I think the Mastodons, what are the Mastodons? They're sitting like 112 or 118 or something, I think. At least they were. I haven't mm, checked it.
2: They were. It's 159 now for the Dons. On the, uh, oh, that's Ken Pom. That's Ken Pom. Ken Pom.
1: Yeah, Ken Pom. they were in the 140s. You, and want, then, you want net? And then the loss to Robert Morris hurt. But, yeah, on the net rankings, I don't know where uh, the Mastodons are at. They, they've always been a little bit higher in the net rankings. <laughs> 135. Okay, so they've dropped a little bit in the net rankings. But still, um, you know, it's not that far. (laughs) 102 to 135. Uh, It's an embarrassment for Indiana right now. And uh, anyway, NBA news, the big breaking news today. Of course, Pascal Siakam is heading to the Pacers. I don't know if it's Pascal Siakam. Uh, How do you pronounce it? Do you pronounce it that way? We're going to have to learn now that he's a Pacer. Pascal Siakam. Is, yeah, that's is, yeah. That's how I've said it. Sounds good to me. I've heard Siakam. No. Siakam. Siakam. Okay. Yeah, let's do Siakam. it. Siakam. Let's go with it. Siakam. Paul Pascal Siakam. Uh anyway, he is an Indiana <laughs> Pacer and uh and that news came down earlier today the Pacers have been working on this deal. Really they initiated conversations last summer and then they kind of dried out and I think Toronto wanted to see how they could do this year. And they weren't totally, totally committed to the rebuild, and so it probably would have taken a little bit of an extra incentive for them to get rid of Siakam at that time. Kevin Pritchard, who's done a, he's done a good job on some of these deals, picking up players, and uh, he decided, okay, we'll hold off, and uh, somehow talks renewed over the last couple of weeks, and then they got pretty aggressive over the last couple of days, and a deal was worked out. Bruce Brown. Is heading to Toronto. Uh, you've got uh, some draft picks heading with him. And here's the thing: I mean, Bruce Brown was just n- never a real impact player with the Pacers, right? I mean, good player for Denver and an important player in their championship run, but it never connected in Indianapolis. I mean, he did okay, but but the guys that are connected right now in Indianapolis, the Pacers were able to keep. Yeah. And And I mean, that's the that's the thing is when you start looking at the, uh, you know, Ben Matherin and you look at uh, uh, guys like Isaiah Jackson, who, you know, is still kind of developing. He's not quite where probably Pacers fans want him, but he was a name that was being bantered about last night. Uh, Buddy Heald, who's been a key contributor, still a Pacer. And then you've got uh, Jalen Smith, who was named in this. And Jordan Nora, who also is going to go to Toronto, Uh, half the people that if you ask them to name the Pacers roster, half of the Pacers fans would have forgotten to name Jordan Nora.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it's big that they keep names like uh, Aaron Naismith, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson are all still remaining on the Pacers. Jairus Walker. Yeah, some of these young guys that are kind of all sort of gelling together around uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, and uh, now the addition of Pascal Siakam.
1: Yeah, so a big move for the Pacers today. They're getting aggressive, and they get Siakam. I'm a little surprised, and when this first surfaced last year, I was not all in on it. I understand, you know, he's he's got a talent, but the question is, is he outside that window of growth where you can bring him in and he can develop with these other guys? I guess, you know, maybe they looked at it and thought he's the missing piece. He's the piece we need with a guard like Halliburton to be another scorer, another lengthy wing defender, a guy who can guard perimeter and down by the basket an extra rebounder which obviously that's been one of the pacers issues this year and uh and maybe an extra defender because they've not been one of the best defensive teams in the league in fact they've been one of the worst and so uh i guess they just felt he was too much of a fit for the next two years three years and they got to figure out uh what his contract is going to be for the future but uh they went ahead and made the deal
2: and it kind of um uh kind of says that the Pacers are kind of looking to win now, make a make a splash in the Eastern they, Conference.
1: They think they can win now. And uh, by the way, uh, speaking of right now, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the decoration at the Indianapolis Airport for the NBA All-Star festivities that are coming next month. Only the Indianapolis Airport would come up <laughs> with this genius idea and probably have the space for it. But they have put into their main atrium there, After you get ticketed, you're moving into the gate, you know, to the uh, TSA area. They have put in a full court basketball court complete with hoops.
2: Oh, I've seen it and it looks nice. It looks like the kind
1: of place I'd like to get some jumpers up. Um, Is that a uh, replica of the actual floor that's going to be down? Ooh, I don't know. I wonder if they were able, because I'm sure the NBA... Uh, is probably pretty private on actual courts that are used for all-star classics, or did they have to come up with their own court design for this basketball court?
2: It looks like an all-star court. I'm, I'm looking at a picture now. It's, it's got stars up and down uh, both uh, sidelines um the center court looks like it says all-star 2024 Well, i mean
1: it'd be easy for me to design a court and put those phrases and terms all over it and put a bunch of stars but is it the official yeah but is it the official design that's from the nba we do not know we do not know haven't got that information 46862 parkview sports medicine text line before we wrap things up today once again just to remind you the nfl playoffs are set And here's what we've got coming up this weekend. We will have on Saturday, it is the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. And that will be a 4.30 kickoff from Baltimore. And we've got your coverage. Uh, It'll be after the Purdue-Iowa game, but we should have full kickoff to uh, the end coverage of the Texans and Ravens. And then Saturday night... It's the Packers visiting the 49ers, so both teams that had buys are going to get Saturday games this week, so they don't have the short week. C.J. Stroud versus Lamar Jackson. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I know that's going to be a heck of a showdown. And then you know, and then the other one's not bad. I mean, it's not like two marquee names, but it's two guys who. I don't know if the bar was set lower and they've uh, overachieved, but Jordan Love versus Brock Purdy, that'll be a good matchup.
2: It's kind of like two young guys who are are benefiting benefiting from good systems around them.
1: And the question is, who do you take? Do you take Stroud? Do you trust him against Lamar Jackson? Uh, It's hard to bet against Jackson the season that he has had, but, man, the same could be said for C.J. Stroud. And then who do you take, Jordan Love or Brock Purdy? Ooh. If you had to take one quarterback, you you got your other 10 guys lined up. You got one quarterback, and it's a choice between Jordan Love, Brock Purdy. Which one takes the snaps for your team? I think I might go Jordan Love if we're going
2: with the the same 10 other guys. I think Jordan is more dynamic. Forget,
1: Forget who's around them. This is just about the quarterback. So it's the same 10 guys, and you got one position to fill, and you got a choice of filling that position between Brock Purdy or Jordan Love, You're taking Jordan Love. I might like Love a little bit more. I I feel like Jordan Love's capable of making big plays. That's what I'm saying. Brock Purdy is capable of avoiding mistakes and making the right play. Mm -hmm. But he trusts his, his, his teammates to basically break the big play. He gets it to them in the right space. They're the ones that make the plays. Where Jordan Love... Uh, he can, you know, make the play with his arm. He can get it over the top. He can, you know, lead guys deep and and hit a deep post route. And so, ah, man, that is tough. That is tough. In the playoffs, what do you want? The guy who's going to give you more, you know, dynamic performance but is more risk of making mistakes? Or the guy that you feel is pretty safe, We'll get the ball to the right guys in the right place, but may not be a difference maker just purely as a quarterback. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line.
2: That is tough. It it really is. Um, I'm just looking at Twitter right now, and someone's saying, should Pascal Siakam do a dunk at the Indianapolis airport when he
1: arrives? (laughs) There we go. Go ahead and give it the old slam dunk, right? What an arrival. That would be a statement. Uh, Welcome to Indy. To, you know, not only dunk it, but then swat a shot while you're at it. Because <laughs> we need you on defense just as much as we need you on offense.
2: Yeah, the Pacers definitely could step it up there.
1: Uh, all right, so uh, give us your thoughts on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. We take a quick break and we come back final time next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. Brett Rump, Adam Lundy in the producer's chair. We've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. And coming up tonight, as we said, Mastodons basketball, seven o'clock against IUPUI. And uh, I mean, we can be very blunt about this. We're not jinxing anything because the results are going to be what the results are going to be, regardless of what we say. But this is a game the Mastodons really should win. Uh, They are projected by Ken Palm to win this game by 20 points. It's the biggest margin the Mastodons have had, I think, in any game so far this year. And it is an IUPUI team that has struggled. They do not shoot the three-pointer real well. And uh, the Mastodons on their home court should end that three-game losing streak, should get a win tonight tonight. I think the big one comes up on Saturday. The Dons are going to travel to Cleveland to take on Cleveland State. The Vikings are unbeaten at home, and that's a really good Cleveland State team. But what they present for the Mastodons is that one matchup that has been a bit of a, a kryptonite for the Dons. That is that foreman who's athletic, who can handle the ball, can drive. He can get a rebound. He can post you up. And he can hit the mid-range, even a long-range shot. And that is Tristan and Aruna that they will see on Saturday for Cleveland State. The Dons are going to have to come up with a game plan to stop him. But the Cleveland State roster, they got another guy that's lighting it up at about 42% from behind the three-point line. Uh, they got another guy who's not shy about shooting the three and uh, is is a pretty good attacker on the bounce, Drew Lauder. They've got uh, Tay Williams, who is another long guard at about six six, and so there's just a lot of matchups that are probably going to be difficult matchups when you start talking about Enaruna posting up a four man or Williams at six six posting up one of the Don 6'1", 6'2", guards. Uh, you know, you've got those those things to deal with. You've got Cleveland being a good home team, uh, but. You know, if the Dons are going to make a chase for a conference championship, you can't just keep giving up on road games. You've got to pick up some road wins and maybe even beat somebody you're not supposed to. Especially when you lose a game, you probably shouldn't have lost at Robert Morris. So, Saturday, I see, is a big one for the Dons. But tonight, don't want to look past tonight. And, uh, of course, I'm not a player, so I can talk Saturday. I'm not a coach. I can talk about Saturday's matchup. But... Uh, tonight, it is 7 o'clock with a 645 pregame right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. But since the Dons go on the road for the next two and won't be back home for a couple of weeks, tonight is your chance to see the Dons and about your only chance over a one month period because it's been a couple of weeks since they played at home and they've got a couple of weeks after this one before they get back on their home court. So come on out to the Coliseum tonight. And check out Mastodon's basketball. Well, that just about does it for us. Uh, big thanks to our guests that appeared on the show, including the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, who called that exciting Purdue win over the Indiana Hoosiers last night, Rob Blackman. And a big thanks, too, to Scott Agnes on a busy day. He's covering the trade of Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers. And you can always check it out at Fieldhouse Files at FieldhouseFiles.com. And if you haven't got your subscription, I'd recommend you do so. But big thanks to Scott Agnes as well. Coming back tomorrow on a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush from 4 to 6, join us. We'll talk to new Woodland Warriors football coach Brock Rohrbacher, among other guests, including Eric Dutkevich from Parkview Sports Medicine. That comes up tomorrow, 4 to 6, your daily local sports fix with the Sports Rush. Talk to you in an hour or so from the Coliseum on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.